Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all we have access by faith into the grace in, with this grace in, which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, which has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely, scarcely, for the righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also have rejoice, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. He told the story, and perhaps you've heard it about the uh, drill bit company, company that manufactures drill bits, that uh, held a board meeting because they of declining demand for drill bits. And the CEO began to uh, chastise the people that were there at the board meeting and began to yell at them and talk to them about declining sales and, and uh, too much, uh, too much uh, uh, stock and what they're doing. And he said, how can we revive the drill bit market? And after a little bit of a silence, a little clerk who was sitting down at the end of the table raised his hand and he said, excuse me, sir, the market is not for drill bits. He said, the market is for holes. <laughs> When you consider the fact that we can make Jesus as attractive as we possibly can be and make Jesus as possibly attractive and try and, try and uh, preach him in a way that, that helps people to understand more of who he is, I think we miss, at least in some part, the market. The market is for people who recognize the, de the destructive nature of sin and they recognize the detriment that sin can cause and the hardship that sin can cause. And they look at their life and they say, I am in need. I need something that I can't provide for myself. And it's that time that we ought to pray that we're standing in the path of somebody like that so that we can say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my Savior. We've been doing a Sunday evening, once a month lesson series, I guess you'd call it, on you're singing my sermon. And introducing new songs to the congregation here um, that have been written just in the last few years, but particularly have either been learned at, uh, at Camp Bandino or other camps, and th songs that have a theological message behind them. And so what we do is we teach the song, we sing the song together, and then we come back and look at the theology behind that song. And in the song, In Need, I find that Romans chapter 5 is an appropriate passage to go to talk about the message of why this song is important and why especially it appeals to us as Christians. 
I'm going to ask you to sing this song with us at this time, and Roger's going to go ahead and click, and I may be asking Roger to go backwards and forwards, but for right now, this is the song, and you'll notice that already there's a whole lot of long notes, and let me just step aside out of the preacher hat and put on my musician hat and say that what happens on long notes sometimes is church, we get lazy. And so we sound like the bagpipes that's running out of air because we, we just don't want to hold the long notes out. Hold the long notes out, all right, and make them go somewhere and see if it doesn't, again, uh, uh, cause us to realize the, um, the way the song is supposed to be sung. It's a very easy tune, very simple, um, uh, very simple as far as it goes, yet it, I think that you're going to find the message is something that we all need to understand and need to adhere to. This is the song in the... In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in sing it again. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy straining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of holiness, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in child, I am in need. Nobody can come to God except that they first be poor in spirit. I think about that with regard to how Jesus talked about the Beatitudes. And one of the very first blessings he pronounces as he went up there on the mountain and was seated. And his disciples came to him in Matthew chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. And you remember the very first words out of his mouth are, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
those people who have a view of themselves as God views them, as people who are in need. And he talks about poor in spirit as far as a poverty, a, a, a emptiness, a, uh, an understanding that I need something that I can't provide for myself. And you look at being poor in spirit as a person, and then we begin to look and see the beauty and the fullness of what God, done, God has done. What's amazing to me is that Romans has a very logical book. Romans has a very logical argument about how God makes us righteous, how God justifies us. All those words mean that God makes us just like we ought to be is the idea. And Romans looks at it and says, this is where we were, but notice what God has done in his grace. And he's met our need, the thing that we couldn't meet for ourselves. And what's amazing is, just in the first three chapters, Paul doesn't leave any room inspired by the Holy Spirit to talk about how any of us have the right to be puffed up or prideful about what it is that, God, that we were before we became Christians. Notice again, as we sing just the, the, just the verse of this song, the different things that he mentions, and then we're going to go to Romans chapters 1 through 5 and talk about how each one of these things is there. Just the verse, please. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. Notice each one of these things. And notice how Paul paints a picture of these things with regard to who we are, about what we are without Christ. Notice that he begins by talking about we are sinful people. He says, I'm in need of grace, the songwriter does. Romans chapter 1 through 3. Romans chapter 1 says the Gentiles are all sinners. And in fact, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. And they take the ungodliness of this world around them, and they didn't even like to keep God in their knowledge. And God says, because of those things, he delivered them over to a lifestyle that's debased, that's, that's, that's dishonoring to God based upon their actions. Well, there are Jews who might have a tendency to be puffed up about this and, and want to puff their pride out, their chest out, and say, well, look at us. We're people of God. We're Jews. Romans chapter 2, Paul turns the tables on them and says, and you, you're doing the exact same things that you're looking over the fence and seeing those people that are doing those things and saying, Paul says, you're condemned just as well. The Jews are unrighteous. The Jews are guilty before God. And if he doesn't leave any room for that, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 9. Verse 9, he bookends this at the very beginning and says, all are under sin. Verse 10 is a verse that I quote quite often. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but he says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3 and verse 10. All are under sin, there is none righteous, no, not one. Look at verse 19. All the world is guilty. Does that leave room for anybody that's not guilty? Does that leave room for anybody that's not, uh, that's not uh, condemned by these verses? In fact, look down at verse 23. He says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't know if you've ever heard well-meaning brothers pray this. Lord, we all fall short sometimes. And I understand the sentiment of that. But when you look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 23... That is a present tense verb. That's a verb that talks about we all sin and we all continually fall short of the glory of God. 
Even me at my best day, even you at your best day, you still don't measure up to the high standard that God has for who he wants us to be. Because I'm sinful. And because you're sinful. And because I've committed that which is a transgression in God's eyes, and you have committed a transgression in God's eyes. Notice Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Notice the word that he uses in talking about what God did whenever we were still uh, when we were still sinners, he says, you're in need. You're in need of grace because there's no way that you can dig yourself out of this pit that you have created based upon your sinful choices and your sinful conduct. I am in need because I'm sinful. I am in need of love because I'm unlovable. Look at verses 6 and 7 there in Romans chapter 5. I'm dealing with these as the songwriter deals with them. Realize them that the argument that Paul makes is very logical with regard to Romans chapter 5. But notice what he calls these people. He says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But notice the, notice the progression, verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. You got somebody that's standing right before God, who's going to die for him? Well, maybe, maybe somebody. Notice he goes on. He said, yet for perhaps a good man, someone even dared to die. You got somebody that you might characterize as good. Well, yeah, you might have somebody that dies with him. But verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were not righteous. We were not good. But we were living a lifestyle that God would characterize as wicked. We were living a lifestyle that God would characterize, again, according to the Greek, that God would uh, talk about being devoted to sin and that we're set in our ways and we're not going to change. And God says, the Bible says that when we were still like that, Christ was the one who came and paid the price for us. Christ was the one that came and died for us because we were in need. Notice number three. He says we're in need of mercy because we're hopeless. Romans chapter 5 deals with the characteristic of hope. In the fact that you actually look at verse 2 and talking about Jesus Christ, and this is the positive set of the coin as he's dealing with, but he says, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace, the grace of God, in which we stand and rejoice in, here's our word, hope in the glory of God. And not only that, but we know that, glory, that we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. Verse 4, here's our word again, hope. Verse 5, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We are in need of mercy. If you stand in a convicted state, what's amazing was I was watching a trial earlier this week about a young man who was convicted of uh, driving 100 and some odd miles an hour on the wrong side of the road and end up smashing into a car and killing the woman and her infant child there in that car. And this young man being 17 years old is sitting there and there's no doubt that he's guilty in the eyes of the law. And this young man, as he's listening to how many years he's going to have to serve in jail, there's no hope with regard to him. Again, the judge can show leniency, but the law has to be dealt out and law has to be dealt out in a way that the judge views as fair. And this young man, I can't imagine, it, the look on his face that the judge said, you know what, I'm going to take away those charges, and you're going to be just like you ought to be in the eyes of the law. We look at something like that, and we say, wow, that's unfair. Do you realize 
That was the big question about how God makes us righteous. How can God be a fair judge and look at me, a one who's condemned to die, one who is hopeless in the eyes of the law, and how can he make me just as I ought to be with regard to the law, to where the law looks at me and says, Andy, there's no charge against you. You're just like you ought to be. You're justified. You're righteous. And the fact is that the answer of Romans is God came down off of the bench and he paid that price for me and he paid that price for you. As Jesus came and died for us, he paid the price so that we could stand righteous before God because we were so in need of mercy as being convicted by the law. We are in need of strength. We are without strength. We're unable to help ourselves out of this problem and this difficulty that we came. For in due time, or for when we were still without strength, verse 6, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Infirm, feeble, not enough good works to bring us out of the sinful place. I read a book recently talking about a man who talks about people that want to try and puff themselves up with regard to their neighbor. You know, sometimes when we wander away from the standard of God, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to compare ourselves to others and say that, you know, my, my, my sin's not as bad as Doug's over here. I know that I may not be all, everything that I ought to be, but when I look over here at him, I see that I'm doing a whole lot better than he is. When in reality, it's almost like boasting to say, you know what? If the goal is to jump to the moon, I can jump maybe a foot taller than Doug can with regard to getting to the moon. And you're still looking at it going, well, you're, you're still a long ways off from the moon. And how can you boast if you say, well, I can jump higher than he can, when in reality, you can't meet the standard that God has set. We're without strength. We need salvation because we can't provide it for ourselves. Notice, we are also in need of peace because we're restless. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 begins with that statement. Therefore, having been justified by faith, made just right, as we ought to be, made righteous, we have, what's our word, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When you find people that are unsettled, when you find people that are dissatisfied with life and hurting and, and recognizing that they need something, and that they can't provide that something for themselves. It paints a poor picture for our lives. And, and we look and we see that every single one of us fits into this picture. Because every single one of us is in need. Now, if we finish the sermon this evening with that, that'd be a pretty dismal way to begin a brand new work week, wouldn't it? It'd be a pretty dismal way to begin a brand new week looking and saying, that's all I am? That's all you are? What, what hope do we have? And that's the beauty of what God has done through Christ Jesus. Note the chorus of this song as we sing it together. Roger, please. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, 
child, I am in need. Roger, back up one slide, please. In need of Christ, let's sing the chorus one more time. Pay attention to what Jesus provides for us to meet every single one of those needs. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need. What is Jesus to us? Jesus is the fullest demonstration of God's love. The fullest demonstration of God's love. Verse 6, when we were without strength in due time, notice how many times in this context he refers back to Jesus and what he did. Christ died for the ungodly. You see it there in verse 6? When we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Look down at verse 8. God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, we weren't good, we weren't righteous, we were convicted by the law, but we were also dedicated to a lifestyle of wickedness and sin. He says in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see it? Look at verse 10. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the, notice, death of his son. What more could God have done to demonstrate his love for us? Jesus is it. He is the pinnacle of all loving acts that God could have done on our behalf. To save us from this poor, pitiable state where we were sinners, where we were without strength and ungodly. And all those things that we had as far as our needs go, God says, here's Christ. Here's the death of my son to show how much I love you and how much I want to show you that I can meet your needs. Jesus is not only the fullest demonstration of God's love, but also the strongest refuge from God's wrath. My refuge strong in the perfect lamb of God. My refuge strong. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, he says, much more than now having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Look at verse 11. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, that through whom we ha- now receive the reconciliation. We were made righteous by his blood. We were, shall be saved by wrath because of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Atonement. I use the example all the time when I think about that word because I had a good friend that uh, Logan knew, Chuck Horner, who would always come to me after a lesson. He would always say, Andy, you're saying that word wrong. Atonement. I said, what do you mean? He says, A-T, at, O-N-E, one, M-E-N-T, meant. What God did in Jesus Christ is save us from wrath, but he reconciles us and makes at one with him through the death of his son. He is the strongest refuge from Jesus, from God's wrath. There's no other place for a child of God to stand or uh, uh, there's no wrath of God for the child of God. There's no other place to stand in safety other than the sacrifice of Jesus. What Jesus is, is the greatest gift of God's peace. My refuge strong, the great I am. 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, just in this context, how many times he talks about the, 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 uh, the or uses the word through. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We have access to God through, uh, through him. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Verse 9, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse 10, we were reconciled through the death of his son. We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, jumping down into a different argument that he makes, he says, through this man's righteous act, the free gift gained to all, resulting in justification of life. We ask again, what more could God have done in giving us peace with him? While our world may be going mad, our peace should be even more evident. If it's not, we go back and we look at the needs that we have and we look at the supply that Jesus Christ gives us, that he is in his fullness the abundance of God to us and to meet every single one of those needs. We sing the song, Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. Jesus is the one who meets our needs. Let's sing the song one more time and sing the full song and draw some applications as we finish this, this evening. In need of grace, in need of love, in need of mercy raining down from high above, in need of strength, in need of peace, in need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in need. In need of mercy raining down from high above. In need of strength. In need of peace. In need of things that only you can give to me. In need of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in of Christ, the perfect Lamb, my refuge strong, the great I am. This is my song, my humble plea. I am your child, I am in child. I am in need.
amazing thought that Jesus Christ meets every single one of our needs. Let me give you a couple things to think about as we finish this evening. Brothers and sisters, we all need the gospel. There's not a single one of us that can exist without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And we recognize that what the gospel does and what Romans 5 reveals is what we were before. Being without strength, being ungodly, being uh, children of wrath, being looking at ourselves in a hopeless position. And God taking us and making us righteous through no goodness of our own, but through the goodness of his son, Jesus. And by being justified through faith in him, we can stand righteous before God. We all need the gospel. It's not something that we can walk away from once it is that we get to a certain point in our life. We say, well, that's it. I'm doing just fine on my own. Every single one of us, the reason why we bring back out this book every single week and the reason why we bring it out every single time that we come together is because every single one of us needs the words of life. And the message about Jesus, about what it means to be his disciple every single day, regardless of what comes. We all need the gospel, but we also need to remember where we make our boast. We all need to be remember where we make our boast. If you're still in Romans chapter 5, notice that he's going to use that word a number of times. Verse 2, you might have the word rejoice in your translation. Through whom we also have access to by faith in this grace in which we stand and we... New King James says rejoice. The word is actually boast. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Look at verse 3. And not only that, but we also, your verse may say glory, but the word is boast. It's the same word as verse 2. We boast in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. We're not boasting just in Jesus Christ, but we're also boasting in our tribulations. Look at verse 11. And not only that, but we also, my version says rejoice, same word as verse 2 and verse 3. The word is boast. We boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Listen, I can get wrapped up in a whole lot of things in this life. I can boast in the Aggies, but not this past weekend. I can boast in a lot of things that are going right in my life. And I can boast about a whole lot of things that materially may be good in my life. But brothers and sisters, that boast should always be secondary and also always be separate from the boast that we make every single time we come and we remember that we are people who God has met our deepest needs. And we make our boast in Jesus Christ because there's nothing else in this life that's going to save us, nothing else in this life that's going to redeem us, and nothing else in this life that's going to give us a life beyond this other than the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God's only Son. We all need the gospel, and we don't need to walk away from the gospel. We all need to remember where we make our chief boast, but we also need to remember that our responsibility every single day is to live by faith. To live by faith. You cannot measure up to God's standard on your own. You cannot stand righteous before God on your own. What we need to remember is every day, every time I live, that I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. And as I lean on God and trust in Jesus Christ for his righteousness and look to him and say, I've messed this up royally. I've made a huge mess over here. But I'm going to continue to look to my Savior, Jesus. And I'm going to look to him for forgiveness and I'm going to seek forgiveness from those people that I may have wronged and the difficulties that I may have caused, but I'm going to continue walking on this path because I realize that God is going to continually make me righteous. What a blessing to realize that no matter how many times we come back and realize I'm still sinful, I still don't do the things that I ought to. 
I'm still weak, even though I try and boast myself and pick on myself up and look and try and look a certain part. I still need Jesus. I still need his atoning sacrifice. And you do too. What a glory, what a beauty of being Christians. Are you a Christian this evening? Brothers and sisters, you are a person in need, and I hope that we've illustrated that tonight. There is none righteous, no, not one. You have a need that whether or not you choose to acknowledge it can only be met by the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And the only way that you can be saved is through the power of the gospel, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And looking and saying, I need a Savior. I want Jesus to be my sacrifice. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want to name him as master, and therefore I will serve him every day. And as I make that confession, as I turn away from those sinful things, we call it repentance, and as I am baptized into water for the remission of sins, I come up out of the water. All of this is in the book of Romans, chapter 6. I come up out of the water as a new creation, created anew in Christ Jesus, that just like he was raised from the dead by the glory of God the Father, even so I also, you also, should walk in newness of life because he's met your needs. Maybe there's a Christian here this evening who's in need. They're going through a difficult time in their life. They're having trouble with something that we can offer, an arm to lean on a hand to hold, a loving embrace, some encouragement and strength that we can offer as God's people. That's one of the beauty thing, beautiful things that God's done in the church is created a place where we can lean upon one another. And don't you know that we need the people in this room? Let's stand and sing our invitation song.